Gets it in, looking for Garza, backside and in for the first goal in Atlanta United history from Yamil Assad. Take a look at history. Hi, y'all, and welcome to Five Strike Final, the only highly distributed audio discussion discussing all things Atlanta United. This show brought to you by Dirty Sauce Soccer. I'm Jason Jones from Dirty Sauce Soccer. Joe Patrick from Dirty Sauce Soccer is over there. Say hey, Joe. Still waiting on, still waiting on that sponsorship money from Dirty South Soccer. Yeah, well, I don't think they, they need to get on that. We do so much for them, so much for them. Gosh. Anyway, Joseph, Joseph, we have once again convinced someone against their best interest entirely uh, to come on and talk to us. We have a very special guest with us on the other line today, Felipe. And I don't want to mess up Felipe's last name because I'm sure I will. But I'm going to try it in my best South Georgia accent and, pr- and pray I don't screw it up. Felipe Cardinia from The Athletic is with us. Felipe, how are we doing, man? I'm doing well, and you totally butchered my last name, but it's okay. Yes. It okay. I was going to say, yes. there is no way that was close. <laughs> I tried, guys. I, I warned you, and I tried Felipe's like, So I can give you guys like the Spanish pronunciation and the gringo pronunciation that, that I share with all my my friends here in Georgia, my, it's pronounced Cardenas, but you can just say Felipe Cardenas. Okay. Interesting. There we go. I, so I, it's I, funny. It's the first one. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny hearing you say it because when I, whenever I've read it, I've always like, I don't, I don't know the, the official linguistic way to say this, but like I've, I've put the, the emphasis on the, 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 the end of the, the name. So it's interesting right. to hear that it's like a, it's the right first, up the front the there. first A has an accent. The first day, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Gotcha. But I gotcha. really appreciate the attempt, Sam. That was great. <laughs> I, I'm nothing if not a trier, Felipe. Uh, we, we do what we can. We do what we can. God damn it, we're already starting with the drops. Oh, man. It's too early for this, Joe. It's way too early. Anyway, uh, we're glad to have Felipe with this. Felipe uh, covering the Lane United for The Athletic, uh, doing an excellent job already for them. Uh, we were going to bring him on to talk a little bit about that, we, and we still are. We still are. We are also going to get to our Montreal preview at some point here in the show. Uh, but this was initially going to be a, a, a regular old show, uh, but a very large, uh, very loud, drunken elephant has entered the room, knocked over all the furniture, and, and we, we have to address it, I think, um, at the very top of this show. Um, Dirty South Soccer uh, and Rob Ushery doing the main reporting on this, reporting that Ezekiel Barco will be out for the next game and was out for the last game. This was a two-game team-induced suspension uh, and for what we're calling romantic overtures overtures toward a teammate's girlfriend. Um, Obviously, this is something... That came as a total surprise for a lot of us. We, we assumed he had missed practice or, or something like that. Obviously not the case. Um, and Joe, you were very involved with the process of this and kind of vetting everything. And then, of course, we can't say too much. There's not honestly a whole lot to say of what happened happened. Um, but I do kind of want to ask you a little bit and just to kind of reassure folks about it, uh, just the the process for going through this and how vetted it was to make sure that we were putting out something that we could stand by. Uh, yeah, sure. So I will just say that, um, you know, we had multiple sources that either gave us this information or corroborated it thereafter. Um, just because we did not use their names does not mean they're not a very reliable source. Uh, I think there's the reasons are kind of obvious for not putting your name on something like this. Um, that if it's information that you can attest to, you don't want to put your put your name to you know personal information like this. And we wanted to respect those people. Um, so anyway, that that was the reason for that. But yeah, other than what was in, I, I guess I did also want to mention the uh, romantic overtures language. Um, I was not familiar with this language either. I think this it's kind of a, a funny way to phrase it for a lot of people. Um, I did look it up on a dating blog website and apparently a romantic overture is like a first, uh, engage, like a, a first, um, action in a romantic relationship, I guess. I, I don't know exactly how to phrase it. I forget exactly what it said, but, um, 
yeah, it's just kind of a broad term to mean that he made a like a romantic romantic gestures, I guess, is another, would be kind of another way to f- phrase it. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, like I said, we just kind of wanted to, be, and, and the reason that we did hear some more specifics about what was said from our sources, but we didn't want to focus on those or make point out those details primarily because that's really not what's important in the story. The, the most important thing in the story is that, um, you know, he did this um, with a teammate's, partner and the most important part of the story is that the the possible fractions it could cause um in the locker room and and that kind of thing and and it kind of i think once people read it now they kind of understand why the punishment was so harsh from tata martino um and it probably could have been harsher if he did you know if it was you know to what degree the uh whatever he did um whatever happened you know well i totally butchered that sentence but um yeah anyways i think we kind of understand why the punishment is what it is now it um i kind of you know we i think we had talked about it before we reported this and i kind of you know optimistically thought that maybe it was from a tardiness or repetitive tardiness or failure to show up for practice or something like that um and that's not what it was so i think that people kind of have a better understanding of what the issue is now and why um, it's so important for him to earn the trust back of his teammates, like Tata Martina said. Yeah, the fact that there was a punishment, the fact that this was not just some kind of, of Degrassi gossip girl-esque thing going down the locker room, the fact that it resulted in this this suspension, essentially. And of course, that's maybe not the wording they're using from the team, but it's a team-induced suspension. Uh, we'll call it what it is. It resulted in an actual thing that's going to have an impact on the field and going forward with a player who cost millions and millions of dollars to bring in here. And when that kind of thing happens, it becomes newsworthy. When internal actions have external consequences, you have something that's newsworthy, and that's what happened here. And that's why it was completely uh, justified in publishing it and uh, obviously extremely well-vetted uh, throughout the entire the, the rungs of SB Nation up and down uh, from my understanding. Um, so huge credit to you guys for that and huge credit to Rob Ushery for, for getting these sources and, and working so hard to verify it in a way that was journalistically acceptable. Yeah, I will say, and thank you for mentioning that. I, I kind of neglected to mention that, but, um, yes, it was vetted by, um, people I didn't even know would possibly be editing our work. So, um, yeah, it, it, it was vetted. It, it, this is not the kind of thing that we would just, hear from someone and write it up and spit it out. Um, this is something that we thought long and hard about and took in every consideration before, before making it public. Yep. And that's all there really is to say about it. In my opinion, anything else? Nothing? No, I think that's it. I think that's cool. it. Cool. Well, let's get, let's get, let's get back to things, I guess. Then. Um, <laughs> Kind of, it's it's hard to kind of switch from that. It's it's been such a big part of uh, my my thoughts for the last few hours. Uh, but we do want to get into a little bit about Felipe's doing because besides all the other stuff going on, there is still a very exciting and fun soccer team playing in Atlanta, full of uh, incredible personalities. And Felipe is already doing a phenomenal job of getting into those personalities a little bit in a way that. Me and Joe, as green goes, cannot. Um, <laughs> Felipe, uh, just tell us a little bit about what you're doing uh, first off with the Athletic, and um, tell us a bit about the first article that got published with us. It was a really uh, phenomenal profile of of Joseph and Miguel and the relationship they have. Yeah, um, well, I mean, just it's pretty, um, you know, black and white. Like I'm writing for the Athletic, I'm covering the uh, Atlanta United. Um, and, and, and really right now, what my role is, is, is very similar to what you guys do. Um, you know, I, I see everyone now, at, you know, at training and in the press box as colleagues. Um, you know, this is journalism. And, and I think what The Athletic brings um, is, is a little bit more um, like in-depth types of stories. So because they're not like a daily beat um, and, and we're not really at this point writing um, you know, about like a match recap or what happened in a game or, or box scores. Um, you know, I think the way we've kicked off is to a- approach the work um, from an editorial perspective and from a feature type perspective. 
Um, and, and so that's why getting to know players and, and getting to know them outside um, and off the field um, is, is so important for, you know, what the athletic wants to do. So, um, yeah, I, I think the first story um, was it, it kind of came about um, organically, you know, and, and I, I had heard when I first started um, really just attending practices and, and getting to know the communication staff at Atlanta United, um, you know, kind of about the apprehension that the South American players had um, with speaking to the press um, and not really from a personal standpoint, just a lot of it was language barriers um, and having to go through an interpreter. Um, I mean, imagine if you had to do that um, for work, it's just, it can be uncomfortable and you, you may not know, open up. So um, obviously knowing a second language um, and speaking Spanish and being bilingual helps. That's one part of it. But, you know, when you, when you're in front of a player, um, they do need to trust you. They need to understand that um, what they say um, is, is going to be, you know, then written about in a positive light. Um, if that's the, if that's the, you know, really the case of the story, um, and with Miguel and Joseph, um, you know, when I, when I pitched the story to the communication staff, um, they were excited about it because they felt like it was a story that hadn't been done yet. Um, but I could tell that they were like, there's a little bit of like, good luck with that, bro. Um, when, when, (laughs) when, once you sit down with, with Joseph, uh, face to face. Um, Miguel was a different story. Like I had met him, um, like you, like as part of like a media scrum after the Orlando game, um, was the first time I like, I actually like spoke with him. Um, and you know, in the locker room, I introduced myself to him and he was just like as outgoing as you would imagine, you know, his, his, his smiles much bigger in person. Um, you know, he, he gets close to you. He shakes your hand. He put, he puts your arm around you. Like, like, like he's a bud. He's like, Hey man, like, yeah, nice to meet you. And I'll see you next Sunday. Like that type of thing. <laughs> um, obviously Joseph was the complete opposite. Um, and, and that's, that was the story, like how, how connected they are, how close they are even off the field, but how, just, they're so different personality wise. So, you know, I remember when I walked out, um, you know, after training, um, I was waiting for Joseph and we kind of met in the big atrium at the facility and he walked out and, you know, he looked like a bullfighter. Like uh, he, he came out kind of like he fronted me a little bit, like in a, in a, in a casual way. Like he kind of looked me up and down and, you know, kind of like stroked his goatee a little bit, like all these like <laughs> mannerisms that someone does when they're not sure about who's in front of them. So, um, I, immediately, um, in order to just kind of break the ice, um, we just talked about soccer. You know, like we, I didn't get into the interview. I didn't tell him, Hey, I have 10 questions for you or let's wait for Miguel. We just started talking about soccer. Um, and at the time the world cup was going on. So we talked about that. Um, are you watching, you know, you know, what do you, what did you think of, you know, Columbia, England, for instance, like there was a lot of controversy around that game. Um, and, and, and that was our way of, of just kind of like getting to know each other. So, um, like the story says, once Miguel entered the picture, when he came down, he was in a, like a, in a impromptu meeting. Um, everything kind of just came together. You could tell that when, when they're together, they're, they're buds. And, and even though I had a task of like getting to the interview, it was much easier even for me knowing that, um, you know, we were, we were all just three guys talking about soccer and, and that they, they kind of knew where I was coming from. So, um, I'm glad it came. I'm glad that it was well received because obviously, you know, we were all very proud of it, and um, it was true to who they are, which is the most important part. So, um, yeah, this is expect more stories like that, and and I know that the people, the fans, want to get to know the players, and and we obviously want to get those stories out there. I think it's interesting you mentioned that about Joseph in terms of just kind of his a little bit, uh, his you know, just his natural nature when he when he first talks to somebody new or even when he just tar- start first starts talking to media in general, it's funny. Um, I was talking to a fellow journalist yesterday about this. I was at training and uh, we were talking to Joseph. He was one of the the players available to speak to media and just, you know, for the first two, two, que- two, three questions, um, the, his answers were so, you know, short and mm. um, you know, it's like he didn't want to be there. And then, 
finally, I just asked him, you know, something stupid about his celebration or something or jumping up, you know, jumping up on the uh, ad banister uh, after he scored his third goal against uh, DC United. Um, I think it's funny. I, I mentioned, I said, uh, that's, I said, that's the first time you did that. Um, was there any pre-plan? Was that pre-planned or was it just spontaneous? Not that that was, that wasn't even a question I had prepared. Obviously it was just something that I felt like needed to open up, lighten up the conversation a bit. And, uh, it was, his response was pretty funny. He was like, well, it's not the first time I did it. It's the second time. Cause the first time I nearly burned my face off. <laughs> right. Um, and uh, and then after that, yeah, we, then after that, the questions when they were getting asked, he was, you know, a little more comfortable. So I, I think part of that is uh, his personality, but it's really fun to read your stories and kind of see that personality um, like come to life, so to speak, uh, in your writing. But kind of and kind of on that note, I want to talk more about the relationships that you've already seemed to be developing with um, many of the, the team staff and um for the last game I was at, I was not at the DC United game, so I've, uh, it was the uh, Seattle game. Um, I stuck around for the for the Spanish language portion of the of Tata Martino's press conference um, because I'm recording the uh, that audio now, and I couldn't help but notice when you started asking Tata a question, he has he just glares at you with this little smile, and uh, he really he just I just couldn't help but notice that he just really seems to enjoy talking to you. Um, First, I'm really jealous, and second, how do you do it? <laughs> um, I've noticed that too. I've noticed the, the smile, and I'm always, I'm always like, well, he, it's, it's, it's almost as if you're talking to like a proud father or something. Yeah, he's, he's kind of, he's proud of you that that you've come up with a question or that you're confident in asking. Um, you know, I think Tata is is very similar to to what I just said about Joseph. I think he just enjoys talking about soccer. Um, and, and I've always been, I'm always very impressed by him. Anytime he kind of walks in a room or if we get him at training, um, he's obviously very eloquent and, and he always gives a very thorough answer. Um, I think in what I try to do is a lot of my questions stem from personal experience. So I think what you noticed that day, I remember the question I, I asked him, um, I think first it was about Julian Gressel and just like his role in the midfield. And, and I think sometimes I use terminology in Spanish that, that he's probably accustomed to um, when I, when I, when mentioning like positional play, um, you know, there are words like in Spanish, like enganche or volante, which um, are different ways of describing where a midfielder is positioned. Um, and, and those are just common types of words that you use in, in, in South America. So I think sometimes maybe he hears that and he's like, okay, well, at least he knows what he's talking about. Hopefully he thinks that I'm not sure yet. Um, and, and, and also in, in the case against Seattle, um, you know, we were talking about Eric remedy um, and, and, and where he came from in Banfield. And it just so happens, honestly, that the, the coach at Banfield, so remedies, um, you know, previous coach before coming to Atlanta United. Um, his name is Julio Cesar Falcioni, and he is a legend in Argentina. He was a goalkeeper um, in the 80s and 90s, um, and he just so happened to be the goalkeeper for my childhood team in, in Colombia, um, America de Cali. And so, you know, when I was 10 years old or 11 years old, and, you know, I would, I was go, I would go to Colombia you know, for vacation, family vacations, I always made an effort to go to the stadium. And at the time, um, it was, you know, the early 90s um, and Columbia, the Colombian League was very popular. You know, teams were stacked with good players. They were competing uh, at very high levels, you know, in continental tournaments and even international tournaments. And America de Cali was a team that had a lot of stars from Argentina um, and, and different you know, different parts of South America, but mainly a lot of Argentinians. And Falcioni was the goalkeeper, and he was an electric, electrifying goalkeeper. He was, he's still the best goalkeeper I've ever seen live. Um, and so I asked him about that. And I'm sure no one in Georgia <laughs> knows who <laughs> Falcioni is. And, and I could tell that he, um, at first he looked at me like, wait, what? Like, because I asked him if he has, you know, do, do they have a relationship? Do they know each other? 
Um, and then he kind of went into when I when I said I told him I'm like he's one of my idols. But Falcioni is a you know it was a great goalkeeper, and he went into how he respects him as a coach, and you know the, I think those are the types of things that I don't try to do that. Um, sometimes it's just part of um, like an icebreaker, or it's a nice way of just setting up a question that I'm going to get to. But um, yeah, I've I enjoy speaking to Tata post game because, like I said, I just think he's a guy that likes to talk about soccer. So Sam, we basically have no chance. Yeah, no, no, not not from the beginning. No, <laughs> no way, no way. Felipe comes into the room, we're we're, we're immediately outclassed, immediately. <laughs> um, but you have been coming into the room a lot more, which is a, which I just do want to talk to you a bit about that. Yep. Is that you've been kind of making the transition from a season ticket holder to guy in the press box, which comes with its own connotations and fun things and ice cream machine and all that kind of thing. That's right. Um, so what's, what's that transition been like? And have you enjoyed, I guess, uh, moving away from the stands and into, into the press box? Uh, I have. I mean, and, and I'm glad you bring that up because um, a lot of people probably don't know that. Um, before I was writing for The Athletic, um, I was a season ticket holder and, and I, I went to the first game at Bobby Dot Stadium. I went to every game at Bobby Dot Stadium. Um, and, and I, and I did so because just like everyone else in Atlanta, I, I couldn't believe that there was a professional soccer team in my city. Like I am not from Atlanta, but I have lived here eight years. And I think I'm one of those classic examples of a guy that just wanted to go to professional soccer matches live. And the fact that the the product on the field was was so good, so so fast, um, you know, really made the experience even better. So, um, yes, then I transitioned like everyone else to Mercedes Benz Stadium. Um, I was in awe of that stadium. I think I still am, honestly, um, and had great seats. I would go with friends. You know, we would tailgate. We would go, you know, to a bar afterwards. Um, and it was fun. It, it was fun being a fan and, and enjoying that experience. Um, when the athletic approached me, um, and, and I made that transition to the press box, I'll be honest, it was, it was different. You know, it was, it's weird kind of being behind the glass almost literally now. Um, mm-hmm. and you, the vantage point is different. The, the sound is different. Um, the food is great though. Like I will, I will say that <laughs> Amazing, yeah. Atlanta United does a great job of, they, they treat the media very well. And, um, it's totally unnecessary. It's yes. Just, I'm always like, really? Like this is for us. And the, the rolls are excellent. I don't know if you guys have tried the rolls, but they're very good. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's, it's been interesting and to see, like, sometimes I'll, I'll try to look at where I would be sitting during a match and, and remember, you know, what it was like and, and how, how much fun it is to be, you know, part of that culture. Um, now it's, it's, it's just as fun, just like getting to know, um, you know, my, who, you know, my colleagues now in the press box and, and understanding, you know, really the, the, the cadence of, of how that works and, 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 you know, the stat sheets and the information that you're given um, and, and just really being there and thinking about, you know, the story that you're going to write um, you know, the, the, the behavior of, of how, really like how you're supposed to behave in a press box. There are rules as well. Um, and so all that has been um, a learning experience. But I think when you, the more you do it, it just becomes natural. Like I remember asking Joe, I, I ran into Joe and I'm like, wait, where do we go after the game? Like, we're, like I'm just going to follow you. Um, and, and now it's, it just kind of happens naturally. You understand that um, for, for many of us there, it's, it's, it's a job. It's a passionate job. We're all very passionate about it, but, um, we're all writing stories. Um, you know, we, we want to get, um, a, a point of view, um, uh, after a game, or we want to get a quote, or we just want to, we want to get a sense of what the team is feeling, whether it's after a win, a loss or a draw. Um, and so all those things go into like, I'm, you, I think like you guys, I'm constantly thinking about like what I'm going to say, what I'm going to ask that may change from one minute to another based on what happened in the game. But um, so far it's, it's really been, it's, it's been great being, being part of that community. Yeah. I think, you know, it's, I, I, I like what you said there. And I, I think for me, just coming from my perspective and we can also all talk about this, Sam, I, I'm interested to hear what yeah. you think too, but um, I gotta be honest. I think, you know, as much as I enjoy watching Atlanta and I play and as much as I enjoy just watching soccer in general, I think like some of my favorite um, 
like moments of covering Atlanta United or just being involved with the the press corps here is just the the time spent before the game starts. Actually, um, no, I hate all of you. you know, sitting around <laughs> talking with you guys, listening to some bad opinions, listening to some good opinions. Um, you know, just kind of, just kind of, and 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 at the same time, you're kind of in the back of your mind. You're thinking how the game is going to go and what what the story is going to be, and you know, you're thinking about different scenarios that could play out and this kind of thing. You when the when the starting lineup comes out, there's everyone pulls out their phones and everyone starts talking about it. Um, I think those those kinds of moments to me are are the ones that. I just really enjoy it because as a fan, those are kind of, those are always been, um, that's the, that's the reason I've always liked soccer is because I like to talk about it and I like to, you know, try to ask my friends what they think about what happened in a game or something like that. So, um, that I think it's, it's kind of funny and I think it might surprise some people that, um, that is, that's kind of like my favorite, my favorite part of, um, being part of the yeah, being part of the the coverage of the team, and then obviously there's there's an excitement also after the game and, and during the game, like you said, in terms of um, actually formulating your story and, and reporting and asking the questions and all that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I, I think you know as as someone who almost considers themselves um, a fan first, which I, I hope people don't take that the wrong way. Um, it, it, I don't know. It, it's just, uh, I, I just really like to just talk about the game. Like I'm talking with my friends and I think, you know, yeah. I, and I've made friends through, through, through this experience. So, um, it's just been, yeah, that, that aspect of, of covering the team has been really enjoyable for me. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think that, um, soccer, like, even though we're writing about it and we're publishing stories and, um, you know, where we, we want to, we want feedback from the fans and, and especially the way that the athletic works, it's really, you know, there's, it's subscription based. So, you know, the, the readers are essentially like our bosses. They're the ones that, that they will drive the content uh, at one point and we want to deliver. Um, but it, this is a passionate sport. Like we, I hope that when, when, when they, when, when our readers read what I write, we, what, what you guys write, they understand that we are fans first and that's okay. Um, we, we grew up with the sport, whether you played it or not. Um, there's, you cannot talk or write about soccer without feeling a certain level of passion that sometimes you can't put into words, no matter how good a writer you are. Um, and so I remember being in the press box recently against, you know, for the Seattle game. And I went to go, um, grab another roll because they're very good. <laughs> the bread is very good. Um, and I ran into Casey you Keller. You like the rolls. I like the rolls. <laughs> I like the rolls. Um, I saw Casey Keller, like just kind of hanging out, um, drinking coffee. And, and, and he was watching um, what was going on. I think he was watching like the dilly dilly stuff on the big screen at, at, at Mercedes Benz. He was like having a laugh at, you know, the fans, you know, getting excited when they were on camera. And, I felt like a little kid looking at a guy that I have so much respect for as, as a goalkeeper, as, as a kind of a U.S. men's national team legend. And I couldn't believe that I could have probably walked up to him and, and, and touched him on the shoulder. I didn't because that would have been weird. But um, he, those moments for me are still very, very cool when you see guys that you respect both you know, whether they were an athlete before, like every time I see Carlos Bocanegra, I, you know, I have a lot of respect for him. Um, but but I, I always like think of him as, you know, the left footed, you know, defender first. Um, and when I saw Casey Keller, the same thing, I saw Keith Costigan also, you know, a lot of respect for him and the work that he does um, for Fox, you know, just guys that are, that have been doing this for a long time. And, and like you said, Joe, you, you run into them in that like pre match, moment where people are just hanging out, like drinking coffee, um, you know, having, you know, grabbing some food. Um, and, and that is very cool. That, that is that community that is, that is kind of forming, um, you know, pre-match that the fans don't really get to see. I think they see everyone just kind of, you know, buttoned up and in front of a microphone, but everyone is out there, you know, talking about soccer and, and the, when the world cup was going on, that was the only thing that people were talking about. So that was really cool too. 
Yeah, it's funny. Um, when the my first moment like that was sometime last year, uh, I went to the bathroom, and when I when I came out, I opened the door, and walking in was Howard Webb, and I was like, "Wow, this mm-hmm. is the guy who didn't book Nigel De Jong in the World Cup final that I'm just holding the door open for uh, to to go enter the bathroom." It's just kind of a surreal moment. Um, it's pretty funny. So. Um, yeah, the, the, I don't know if you have any. Those are just some stories I like to share. I, I like to kind of, you know, tell people about these things. And um, it's, I don't know, it's just kind of funny. I, I did tell one on the on the podcast, um, or HDAD, sorry, branding. Um, in our first ever show, I think it was. But I, I do want to tell it again, because I think you might get a kick out of this, because I don't think you know about this. But um, it was the Columbus, the night of the Atlanta United season ended last season against Columbus crew. And I was reporting for MLS soccer. And that night, um, myself and Payson Schwinn, uh, we're, we're, we were both reporting for MLS soccer. Normally they only have one reporter co- kind of cover both the teams. Like they'll do one article for each sometimes or typically, but that night, since it was the playoffs, you know, they wanted more coverage. They wanted two articles on each team. And, uh, so, Basically, since Payson has the seniority over me and and for MLS soccer, um, went ahead and let him take Atlanta United. And I was covering Columbus that night. And so Columbus obviously ended up winning dramatically. Um, It was a great game. And so I go down to their locker room. I was kind of, you know, I was kind of uh, actually I'm not even going to say that. But so I went down to the locker room and, um, you know, incredibly jubilant atmosphere, as you can expect. I mean, there was, I don't know if there was champagne, but there was like some people had, you know, thrown some water around. Um, just like everybody was celebrating. Everybody was just, was super just amped up. It was a very, you know, upbeat atmosphere. And so I was in there interviewing some of the players. And, uh, but I wanted to make sure that I got back for Tata Martino's press conference. Um, so, or, or, or if I could get into the locker room, just to kind of see the, see the mood, what was going on, because obviously I'm an Atlanta United fan. I'm familiar with those players and the staff. So I just want to kind of get a glimpse of what the atmosphere was like there. So, um, the, the locker rooms are, are spread out a bit. So I kind of hustled as, as soon as I was done with my interviews, I hustled my way back over to the Atlanta United locker room and I kind of, I, I was just in such a rush cause I didn't, I wanted to get there as soon as possible. I just, I ran over. And I swung the door open, and I I, I I like to say I was almost like uh, like Kramer entering the entering Seinfeld's apartment, like swooping in, and yep. uh, <laughs> and I just like had come up, and I'm I'm kind of amped up because I'd been in this locker room, you know that how being in that environment kind of elevates your own, yeah, you know your your your, your, own, your kind of your own mood, and um and I just went in there and it was just dead silent and. I just came in with such an energy. <laughs> I think <laughs> everybody's eyes just like glanced right at me. And I was like, Oh yeah, I need to uh, <laughs> dial it down, dial it back a bit here, bit here. And that was funny. And then there was also one time when uh, Tata Martino was giving a press conference and some guy, just some reporter who was lost and didn't know where he was going, just opens the door. That's right behind Tata. It was pretty funny. Uh, he was, he was very embarrassed. I don't, do you, do you have, is there anything that stands out to you as like, um, doesn't have to be like a funny story or just something, something that stands out to you in terms of reporting, um, on the team. Um, I think the, the locker room experience, um, is always interesting. Obviously. I think that, um, from my perspective, that was one of the, when I, when I knew that this was going to happen, when I had access to the team as, as, you know, as a representative of the media and, and, and for, as being part of the athletic, I remember thinking like, wow, like I'm going to be in the locker room and, and I'm going to be getting quotes or going to be interviewing people. Are you just going to be there? Um, and, and it is every time we kind of walk in, it's, it's always interesting to see, you know, the mood of the players. Um, Cause it, sometimes it, it differs whether they, obviously whether they win, lose or draw, but some players um, are much more open. Um, I think you've mentioned Joe before, and, and, and I was even told this um, by some of the members of the Atlanta United communication staff that, um, you know, some of the South American players just they, they, they hide, you know, when when things don't go well for the team. Um, they don't, they're not as open to to communicating um, after a loss or, or if they played 
um, let's say in their in their minds, maybe they didn't have a great game. Um, so kind of breaking that barrier and breaking down that wall is is part of that experience. Um, you cannot really be in awe. Um, you have to get in and, and, and try to make eye contact with a player and 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 make sure that um, you know he he wants to talk. And if he doesn't, you, you might have to get some things out of him. Um, like, you know, sometimes it can be like pulling teeth, but I remember telling a friend of mine, um, recently that I thought that walking into the locker room was going to be a much bigger deal. Um, and I think because I played my whole life and, 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 and I understand like what, how that type of environment works, you know, like you have trainers walking around, people are taking their tape off, there's shin guards lying around their shoes. Um, guy, you know, you're jumping in out of the shower. Some people are trying to leave quickly. I, I kind of remember that. Obviously, I've never been that, you know, in an MLS locker room as a player. But, um, you know, I, I played club soccer. I played in high school. I played in college, and and right away, I kind of felt like this is kind of cheesy, but like I felt at home, like in the locker room. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I understand. I remembered being there. I remember. Um, not wanting to talk if you lose. And I remember really wanting to, to you know, to tell anyone if, that would listen uh, what I had to say if, if we won or if I played well. So um, I think understanding um, what the players are going through um, is a big part of, of that step from walking down to the press box, going through the media scrum, and then getting into the locker room. I think having some sort of like, anticipating what you might find is is part of that process so um yeah it's it's always interesting you know the the last time the last game when i was walking out of the press box or out of the locker room heading over to tata martino's press conference um at the exact same time that i was walking out of the locker room three of my over 30 soccer teammates here in atlanta were kind of like stumbling out of the delta um, <laughs> skyline center. And I mean, stumbling out cause they had a great time. They obviously had plenty to drink and they were like, Oh my God, Felipe, you were just in the locker room. Um, and to them it was like this, um, this big deal, like what, what's going on in there? And, and I was like, uh, lots of guys in towels and, <laughs> yeah. and some guys don't want to talk. And, um, but for them it was just like this surreal moment. Like I could see there and like, wow, like, that must have been really cool. And tell me what, who said what and what's going on in there. So I, I remember being there too, thinking like, can you imagine being in a locker room? Now it's kind of like, all right, this is a step that we have to take and um, try to take advantage of the moment. Yeah, it's really yeah, it's funny. Really funny. Um, the difference between a win and a loss can ma- is, makes such a huge difference in the locker room. I mean, you talk about a loss, it is usually dead quiet in there. Uh, you can't. Mm-hmm hardly hear anything or you, you no one's talking um there's basically nothing going on and after a win sometimes it feels like you're walking into like a nightclub and there's like the yeah. mist from the axe is all is everywhere there's music playing like it's just a completely different atmosphere and it it, it obviously reflects in the players so um yeah i just i think that's interesting i think i think fans like to hear that and kind of like to get those get those um anecdotes but um listen i i know that uh, we got other stuff to do today. Um, and I just really thank you for coming on, man. This was great. Um, and I hope we can do it again soon. I hope we, we can kind of make you a, a recurring guest from time to time. I would love that. Um, obviously, I, I have not listened to the H. What is an H dad? An H dad. I listened to the yeah. first few episodes. I remember having a lot of fun with it. Um, I, I, hey, I had a great time, too. I'm happy to come back. Um, and, and hopefully to the listeners, um, I know you guys have your own set of fans. Hopefully they um, keep reading um, The Athletic, keep reading um, Dirty South Soccer. Um, I will say as far as like the Barco reporting, like I'm just going to echo what you guys said. I, I have a lot of respect for Rob Osiri. I have a lot of respect for Dirty South Soccer. I wrote for Dirty South Soccer before I ever wrote a yeah. word for The Athletic. Um, so um you know keep supporting um all of us uh independent journalism um first and foremost and and yeah um anytime you guys want me to come on i'd I'd be happy to to join i'm glad you mentioned that too and i do want to say something about this and it's something i've said on twitter but i don't think i've said it in person which is that yes support independent journalism absolutely um 
But as it pertains to the athletic, I find it hard to imagine that anyone listening to this show wouldn't find an athletic subscription as being an unbelievably great deal for them in terms of the return they're going to get on top of the great work that you're doing. I'm sure they're fans of other sports or other teams, and those teams are going to be covered as well. And the cost of all this comes to like a dollar a week. It, right. It's a ridiculous deal. And you, I, I just really urge people to consider the value for money that they're getting. Um, and also just the quality of the product. Obviously you're getting the top writers from around the country, uh, write, writing for this publication. You're getting an amazingly beautiful website to read. Um, it, that was kind of something that, you know, until I subscribed, I didn't really consider as something that would be super valuable to me as a reader. But then after reading the stories, I came to appreciate greatly is how clean, you know, there's no ads on the site when, once you have a subscription. Um, and that just makes it such a more enjoyable read. And I just really stress people to, if you're thinking about doing it, just consider the value for money that you're getting and think about even, and, and compare that to how you spend your money in other ways. Because, um, you know, I, I, I think I mentioned on Twitter, like, we will just, without even thinking twice about it, spend a few bucks on a coffee or a burger or something, you know, just like something that we just desperately want in the moment. Um, and for some reason, when it comes to journalism online, we like go into this deep dive into like, is it worth it? Is it, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like you, we just start second guessing ourselves and we don't do that for almost any other purchase. And it, I, I, I feel like it's because in the, in this age of the internet we just expect these things to be free when if you look at you know like our parents our parents paid for journalism like they paid for newspaper subscriptions they paid for they paid for subscriptions to magazines and and whatever they wanted um and those came with ads too so it's like there's an expectation that this should be free when you know it, it and it comes as no surprise to me that once that that transition kind of started happening with with online journalism that uh there's been so much crap that's that's appeared um, in the ether. So yeah. I just really stress to people to just at least strongly consider it, kind of strongly consider if it'd be worth it. And I will tell you that it is most definitely worth it. Well, yeah, I mean, if, if since you've opened the door to the shameless plug, I will I will go ahead and, and, and jump on that. Um, like, you, I mean, you said it as, as well as anyone could, you know, the athletic, um, whether you want to read about Atlanta United or you want to follow um, the Georgia Bulldogs or the Utah Jazz. It doesn't matter. I think the whole point is being allowing fans to access content um, that, you know, that that's reported about their favorite teams, no matter where they are in the world, really. Um, and, and the athletic, I think what it does is it, let's start with soccer. You know, the, the athletic soccer obviously is covering global soccer. It's covering um, at this point, most of the top leagues, Champions League, obviously doing the World Cup, they, they they did a great job there. We're talking about you know writers um, from all over the globe that are um, providing you know their points of view, their opinions, um, and, and they're sharing the access that they have with some of the top teams in the world. Um, and and I think what I really like as a reader of the Athletic is a yes, the experience is great. Um, if you download the app, the app is is a carbon copy of the website experience. So it's very easy to use. You can create your own con content so you can follow the teams you want to follow, the authors that you want to follow. And that's what will be really when you open up the app or the website, that's what you're going to be invited with. Like that's what you're welcomed with, the, the content that you want to read. Um, and I think as a reader also, you don't have to be an expert. You don't have to be an expert in soccer or, or, an, or, you know, to enjoy the writing from the athletic, because I think the whole purpose is to attract the novice, you know, the, the, the fan boy, if you will, um, you know, the, the MLS hipsters that, that want to learn about their team um, or someone that knows nothing about soccer and, and, and culture um, and the history of, of the sport. And, and is just really interested about, about hearing about that. So, that that is what I love to talk about when I when I refer to the athletic. I think it's it's there's there's content for everybody, and and it is it is worth the three to four dollars a month that you might spend somewhere else because it's kind of like that gift that keeps on giving. The content's going to get better. Um, there is a plan in place to always you know 
exceed expectations and, and we're listening to the readers. I think that's the great thing about this model. You can write a comment, you know, you can comment, we're listening, uh, we're reading all the comments. Um, some I've read some comments that are great pitches for stories and great ideas from fans. Yeah. Um, and that's very, that's very valuable to all of us. So, so yeah, uh, stick with us because it's going to be, it's going to be fun. Yeah. Well, again, you couldn't get a, a better, bigger recommendation from me. I, I just, I've, I've loved what you've done. I've loved what a bunch of the other, other writers have done on their, um, soccer and non-soccer, you know, just, just everything. And, and you, for anyone, I get this question a lot, you, this subscription that, that we've mentioned, that's like a dollar a week or whatever, or less, you get everything you get football and baseball and soccer and Felipe's work, everyone from Felipe's work to like Jason Stark who's covering major league baseball. So like you get, you get the whole kit and caboodle. So, um, again, I couldn't imagine, um, a better deal really for, for your sports journalism. But anyway, um, glad we were able to talk about that a little bit too, because that is an important point, but Felipe, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure and, um, let's do it again soon. We'll, we'll do man. Thanks Joe. And, um, looking forward to next time. And now for something completely different. Wow. Wow. What a, what a, what a stunning interview that I was absolutely there for the, the entire time. <laughs> Man. It, yeah. I, I asked, I said, I said, core. I want your opinion on this, Sam. And then you just never chimed in. God, I was feeling reclusive. I was just so in awe of, of what you and Felipe were saying that I, I had to step back for a moment. Just take it all in. Just soak it all up. Um, for the parts I did hear and wasn't booted out of the chat, it was great. Felipe was phenomenal, <laughs> as expected. Uh, we love him. He's he's always the the most well dressed person in the press box, the nicest person in the press box, the person everyone else in the press box wants to be. Um, so I look forward to actually hearing the rest of the interview <laughs> at some point here. <laughs> I'm sure I'll go back and listen. Um, but for now, for now, let's go ahead and move on to the preview portion of our show not a whole lot to say yeah to something really just boring and altogether not that fascinating at all but but stay with us stay with us we're gonna make it fun (laughs) we're gonna make it fun guys um open wide open wide for some montreal impact this one goes down saturday 7 p.m eastern in montreal which is in some province in canada i can't remember which one i don't really care um, the French one? Does the whole province speak French, or is it just the city of Montreal? Uh, they're in Quebec, aren't they? The, so Quebec, Quebec speaks that sounds French and all that kind of nonsense and other things I can butcher, much like I butchered Felipe's last name, um, and and probably <laughs> saying Felipe in like a really extremely terrible Southern accent as well, and I can't even hear it. Um, but anyway, seven o'clock. This one's on Fox Sports South, ESPN Plus as well, 92.9. The game, Jason Longshore and Mike Conti on the call there. We have seen Montreal before, Joe Patrick. We have seen Montreal. Mm-hmm. And I believe that was a 3-1 win for Atlanta. Yes? Yeah. Yeah. It was, but they gave us a whole lot of trouble in that game. That was, that was like kind of one of the first... They were, I think they were one of the first teams that figured out how to, how to kind of like bunker against us, and eventually yeah, we they, broke through it. They started the wave a little bit uh, of kind of moving towards that in the most like extreme version of it. And they actually scored first on us. I remember that they scored off that weird throw in and then they immediately crossed it and someone was right there. And all of a sudden it was one, nothing in like the 23rd minute. Atlanta's looking around going, Oh God, what do we, what do we do here? Fortunately, they did break through like Joe said, but Montreal bunkered in a big way. And I fully expect them to do the same even though they're at home this time, why wouldn't you? Yeah, totally. Totally. I mean, it's, I mean, this is the way our opponents are going to play. I think for the most part, unless, you know, there's a team like, you know, we saw DC come in and they just don't really have the players to kind of play that style. I think they still tried a little bit, but they did come out. I mean, they, they came out and played a little bit, but, um, this is just going to be what we face. And until like, like we've talked about over and over again, until we can just routinely make this a predetermined um, uh, method of failure for the other team, then they're just going to continue to do it. So it, the onus is on Atlanta United for sure to break, to break them down. And I think, you know, Tata Martino and his side will, 
people know what to expect when they go up there. Yeah. Montreal Montreal does come in with a pretty decent record over the last six game four wins in their last six. Were they good wins? No, not really. But they were wins. So good, good, good job, guys. Good, you Orlando did got them on track. Yeah, they did beat Orlando twice. That's what started <laughs> their Jason run. Christ fired. Oh <laughs> my God, amazing! They also beat San Jose, who was maybe more terrible than Orlando. They did pick off Sporting Kansas City, who's been struggling a lot lately. They continue to dip down the Western Conference standings, not just the Supporter Shield standings. They were a big challenger for Atlanta United through about halfway through the year, and now have kind of have dipped off through the last few games. Meanwhile, Montreal sits fifth, sixth in the East, whatever you want to call it. They're tied with New England. However, that's kind of a, kind of a, a smokescreen for a team that's not actually really good at, at much, yeah. of, much of anything, to be totally honest. They're in, they're in fifth with a negative nine goal differential. Like, think about that. <laughs> Right, playoff team, playoff team with negative nine goal differential. That's just right. It's not like the metrics are really saying they should be doing much better. Yeah, you know their expected goal differential. They're they're fourth to last in the league and and just about every single expected goals category, uh, for and allowed. So not good. They're not great. They really like to get the ball to Nacho Piatti, who is great and deserves better, and really really needs to get out of Montreal sometime soon. Yeah, there's been. I mean. It makes sense. There's been rumors that he wants to leave, or, or n- not even that he wants to leave, but that Montreal wants to get rid of him. And it's not because he's not a good player; he's a great player. But they're just at the point where they kind of need to rebuild and clear off some 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 money off their uh, off their cap. And obviously, he's a de- designated player that would open up a designated player spot if they were able to get rid of him. Um, but it's just hard. It's hard to trade a DP within the league. I, I feel. Um, you kind of need the right, the the exact right kind of recipe in terms of a, a trading partner. Essentially, you need a team that has a designated player spot. You need a team that, like in this case, is making a push for the playoffs. And usually, um, teams that think they have a chance or want to add that much money onto their salary, uh, onto their total salary budget, they probably don't have room for another designated player. They're probably using it all. So. Um, right. Yeah, it's just a kind of a tough situation for Piotti kind of being being stuck with a with a bad team there. But I mean he's amazing. He's I think fifth in the league in goals and second in assists. I mean he's I think he's only behind Almiron and in assists this season. Um he's efficient in all of his metrics. He's very efficient. He's he's basically finishing at a higher rate than he should based on based on the, the underlying metrics. Um he's just a great player and, and he's uh, what I really like about him is that he's just one of those guys where when you watch him play, you realize in an instant he's their best player. You know, just like when he touches right. the ball and the way he moves with the ball, um, you don't need the metrics. To, you don't need to be looking at a stat sheet to, to understand who their best player is. And I always, I always enjoy that in a player. Yeah, no, he, he can be fun to watch. He hasn't really done a whole lot against Atlanta the few times we've seen Montreal, uh, from what I can remember. Anyway, I think he may have scored once now that I'm thinking about it, but he is obviously their best player. You kind of slow him down. There's a pretty decent drop-off to whatever else Montreal is throwing forward. We won't really get into the names. We're generally not that interested. And, of course, now that we're absolutely just crapping all over Montreal, they're going to come out and beat us 4-1. We're sorry. Blame <laughs> right. Joe. Uh, but but it's not even really secret trash with them. They're just kind of trash that's obviously like two pieces of trash stacked on top of each other in a trench coat. Like Everyone can tell what's going on and that they really shouldn't be allowed at, at the big kids table with the rest of the folks above the red line. And we're just kind of waiting for, for them to to be done with their time here and go back to where they belong. Well, well below the red line. Cause they're not, gonna, well, they're not it's gonna. kind of the, the nature of the Eastern conference, right? Because you have just, okay, maybe not four anymore. Cause Columbus has kind of faded off, but Columbus you got three, you got three really good teams. Um, and it's just kind of the nature of it where there's going to be at least one team. Actually, if you just look at the standings, probably two teams that get into the playoffs, uh, in the Eastern conference that are just not that great, not that good. Um, I, I, I would imagine there would probably be two teams that get in with negative goal differential on the season come the end of the year, but I will see about that. But which is kind of the nature of it. It's crazy. I I, uh, I I posted something on Twitter the other day. I was I was just kind of taken aback by this. 
you know, Toronto FC last year set the points record, the all-time points record in MLS. They averaged 2.03 mm-hmm. points per game. And right now, or at least when I posted it, posted this stat, which I think was coming into the this weekend's games or sometime over the weekend, so not all the teams have played, and it, things have changed at this point, but I think there were three teams that were on two points per game, so like only three hundredths of a point off Toronto's record-setting pace last year. And yeah. then two other teams, I think, that were at at least like one point eight five. So, um, just like there's some there's some major division this year in MLS between you know the quote unquote creme de la creme and and kind of everybody else. Yeah, no, it's it's interesting. It's not quite what I would have expected. The Eastern Conference at the top is is very very strong, but top to bottom, I think the Western Conference has. A little more, a more class up and down the line there. So at least one through nine, I think. For and sure. Then, you know, you totally. can you can say whatever you want about Seattle, Colorado, San Jose, Toronto, and, and DC United. Way down there, way way down there. Uh, by the way, went back and looked at our DSS staff predictions, and like everyone else, we had Toronto and Seattle picked first place in both conferences. Uh, so great job, us. We did it. We did it. Uh, only two. Only two of our writers predicted Toronto to not finish first, and they both predicted them to finish third. So, right. And one of those was right. Rob because he was jokingly picking Columbus Crew to finish first. <laughs> it's to make me angry. I think almost specifically because <laughs> I was crapping all over Columbus. Hey, look now they're they're have a zero goal differential because they can't score, which is what I was saying the whole time. The whole time. Rob is your biggest mm-hmm. troll. And I love Rob for it. I love Rob. Rob's a great person. And I'm very but yeah, this is kind of now. a boring game. This is kind of a boring game to talk about just because like, I feel like we've already covered almost everything about this game. Like if we're, if we're playing Red Bulls, New York city or something, there's like pretty interesting tactical nuances and stuff we can dive into. But sure. For this one, I just don't know if there is anything really like it's like, it's contained like, it's like, yeah, it, it's like a, a mid, season after school special show you know you know that that dj michelle and stephanie are, are gonna be all right in the end all that kind of thing you you kind of know how things are gonna go at this point you know you know how these teams are gonna line up you know how the game's kind of gonna play out you know how they're gonna set up you just kind of can really pinpoint every kind of beat with this it seems like anyway, in my mind, I, I really, it's hard to see this one getting too far outside the box. Yeah. 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 God, have we so already boring. gone? Oh, have we talked about how their, uh, their freaking website is in French? Yeah. How, how dare they? Or so something. annoying. How am I supposed to look up the stats? I don't know uh, French. I took I took four semesters of French and don't remember any of it, if that means anything. God, this is so boring. So boring. Why are they so boring? God, everything else has been so, so interesting. And then we kind of get to this. And it's like it's like we've been on a a mass it's like we've been on Goliath at Six Flags, you know, for like the yeah. entire day. Then all of a sudden we've gotten off to go ride the the carousel. For a second, right? You know, yeah. Just we just kind of, you just got to have to kind of like do real. it because you have to be a nice person and like you know sit with your cousin yeah. on the on the stupid <laughs> ride that you don't want to ride. You don't want to ride. Exactly, exactly. The but teacup. you have to, and it's going to be there. And that's all. That's all I really have to say about it. Yeah. 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 Big thanks to Felipe for joining us. Uh, check out the Athletic. I'm sure Joe and them talked about it, but the Athletic has been. Phenomenal. I subscribe as soon as they announce all the Atlanta folks. It's been great. Please do that. Support Felipe. Support Atlanta United Journalism as well. Uh, We will have a post-game show of some kind coming to you at some point on this one. Be on the lookout for that. Go ahead. Sam, are you going to be with me for that? Or are you you, you out of commission? I mean, yeah, I'm planning on it. Okay. Shoot, man, I'm in Atlanta Saturday, I think. So if you're around... Come hang. Hmm. We'll see. We'll okay. See. Or don't. Fine. Maybe. Oh, I, maybe we will see each other at the uh, the kickabout in Old Fourth Ward. No. 
multiple kickabouts going on. We'll have a whole bunch of all-star stuff coming your way too at yeah. some point here. At least some all-star stories. Uh, be on the look at the website for that at DerrySouthSoccer.com. Oh, and yeah, speaking what? of all-star, why don't you why don't you plug yourself? Plug yourself, my man. Um, I'm an all-star, and I got my game on, <laughs> and I went out and played. But I learned I learned a valuable lesson. What's that? All that glitters is is not gold. Oh, okay, okay. Sam's doing some all-star for? game content for for MLS soccer, so pay attention oh, well, to, you that. Are too. to that just assume that anything interesting mls soccer is doing with atlanta me and joe are somehow involved that that's yeah. your rule of thumb here from now on got it guys cool cool all right all right joe anything else out of here no i think cool. we're good we gucci let's do it please did stop. i really just say that uh you did it's recorded too isn't that sad this one goes down seven o'clock saturday we'll see y'all afterward bye y'all bye